and welcome back to another impactful night of the Impact of Educational Leadership. This is your host, Addie Three Prizes on third tonight's conferences, Sherelle Alexander Reed. Sherelle, please say hello to the people. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you, Andrea, so much for having me on tonight. I look forward to our chat. Absolutely. The pleasure is all ours. Well, tonight is one of those topics that you're going to probably want to share with a friend. And that topic is something that we have been discussing since 2020. And that is, can we breathe? Since the mid-1800s, a period of significant economic development during the rise of industrialization in the United States, produced both pros and cons. That industrialization started with Eli's Whitley invention of the cotton gin, which caused the uptick, a spike in labor in the agricultural section of states like Virginia, which needed a pull on labor, free labor, slave labor. 200 years later, now more than ever, educators, especially in our black and brown communities, must express, express the benefits of organization, both through role modeling and lecturing. These influences may not be displayed in a child's earliest stages of development, where key building blocks to learning, to understanding begin. So we, as community leaders and educators, must start telling and informing our children and our students the benefits of things like budgeting and storing essential documents and artifacts properly like time management skills, communication skills, self-monitoring charts and checklists to not only keep up, not only to survive, but to be competitive moving forward. There are some cases in which educators have had the opportunity to use these helpful strategies to promote in our communities. It is helpful for educators to have clear and specific expectations though for our students and how we should implement these strategies and approaches moving forward. Another vital thing to remember is that not all students have the same interests, the same skill levels because they come from different backgrounds which which give them different needs, right? And so teachers cannot discriminate based on any factor and they should aim and they should focus to identify and understand the child and meet the needs of each of their students regardless of their backgrounds. Tonight, we're gonna to have a powerful discussion about how we can not only breathe again without being watched and without someone looking over our shoulder 
to see if we are doing things right or we're making mistakes. But how can we reinvent? How can we invent? How can we create? How can we be fruitful and multiply in this COVID-19 pandemic? and beyond and so tonight i know this is a deep uh, introduction but <laughs> uh Sherelle alexander reed please say hello again to the people and let us know what you got going on we are here for you we want to hear what you got going on you got so much going on please let the listening audience know what you got going on okay wow you're right that was deep that was big going all the way back to industrialization but once again i just want to say hello to the audience uh, my name is sherelle reed uh i am an author i'm a coach i am a speaker i am a corporate instructor a mom and a wife and i'm just happy to be here to talk about uh something that's so near and dear to my heart which is the education of our youth I'm the founder and visionary of a nonprofit organization here in the Dallas, Texas area called Find Your Resilience. And my organization empowers females to learn from their past, live every day to the fullest, all while pursuing their purpose in life. So I'm happy to be here and I'm ready to start talking about this so needed and so important topic. Absolutely. You know, as an author, yeah, I believe you have to be a historian too, because you are you, you're gathering information so that it's relevant and it's current, uh, and that it is uh, self-helping for those individuals reading your book, right? Because uh, I, I believe book writing is not only for entertainment, but it's also for learning and educational purposes. And so, you know, my first question I want to ask you before we get this thing started is, what inspired you to write your first book? Well, actually, I, I believe that all of our experiences in life are necessary and that if we don't get to a point to share our experiences, then how can someone else have the the motivation to know that they can overcome some things that we've overcome? So I've had a, a, a very riddled path of adversity and as a result of that adversity and being on the other side of the adversity I feel that it's so powerful to use our personal testimonies as teaching tools and as examples of how we all can thrive in the face of those unfortunate things and experiences that we have so I wanted to write about some of the things that I've gone through two of my books are anthologies meaning I wrote them with other people and then I have one uh, ebook that is all me um, and I'm just purpose to empower and encourage others to become the best they can be in this world you know as I was listening to you speak actually I you know a few words came to mind uh, one is uh, advocacy uh, because uh, when you were speaking, I, I heard that that advocate uh, that has been instilled in you and, and that uh, is uh, one of those things that have, I believe, uh, helped define your mission and your, your purpose. And I will say your why. 
okay? And so what do I mean by that? Well, to be an advocate, you must, I believe, understand, okay? You must understand that there is a problem, right? Uh, because in order to have an answer, there has to be a problem that the answer has to solve. And so you have to recognize, you know, what makes you fit in as it relates to your your skill, your skill level. Uh, you say you are an instructor and you are a um, a coach. And I know you have, you know, come highly recommended uh, not only to this podcast but to other uh, organizations to help them uh, recognize different needs um, in their organization and strategies and approaches that will help them to grow. Right, and so uh, through your demonstration of of what you do, uh, I believe you have uh, linked it. But we're gonna let you tell what you know your strategies are. But you you have linked these strategies to your experiences that have made you who you are, that that resilient person. So let me kind of let me kind of go in a little bit, if you don't mind. Can I go? Can I go a little bit further, if you don't mind? <laughs> Yes, sir. You can go. Let's go. Okay. Well, with that being said, uh, I believe that a person is not born resilient, right? I believe that uh, resiliency comes from uh, environment. It comes from settings. It comes from influences. It comes from those things that you were exposed to, right, good or bad but it made you strong, right? And it made you, uh, you know, bounce back, right? Whether it was a uh, emotional bounce back, uh, a physical bounce back, a spiritual bounce back, whatever it was, it made you stronger than, you know, you once were. So, you know, how did you become this resilient person that you are today? Uh, was it, was it, uh, motherly influence was a church influence you know let the listening audience know we want to uh, I would say walk with you and have a conversation and kind of you know I guess peek in to your world and, and learn more what's your thoughts well first of all let me start by saying uh, I am a woman of faith so Christ is at the center of my life and uh, I would not be who I am or called to do what I do had it not been for my life being purposed while I was in my mother's womb. So I live uh, by that. But I am a strong believer that we are the sum total of the experiences that we have had, either good or bad, right? Oftentimes, we experience things that are out of our control. Maybe we were there were some things inflicted upon us that we didn't ask for. And then there are, on the flip side of that, there are some uh, bad decisions we've made. There are some things that we knew we should not have done, but we did it anyway. And then the consequences of that. But in either way, <clears throat> if we believe that we are purposed in life, we can use to a degree a lot of the adversity that we experience in order to drill and to fuel our purpose. Because oftentimes we experience it, let's just say we experience 
uh, adversity, and a lot of times we feel that that might disqualify us from purpose. I grew up in the city of New Orleans. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was when I was born, and they decided that my grandmother should raise me and my older brother because they were more settled. They were established. You know, they could do it. But I grew up as a, as a young girl longing to be with either my mother or my father. And because I did not live with them, it began to breed inadequacies in me and make me feel as though I wasn't good enough. What's wrong with me? Why don't they love me enough for me to come and live with them? Why am I here? My grandmother was not the nicest to me. Okay, and and so I did uh, experience some abuse at our hand, physical, emotional, and mental, you know, and all I wanted to do was be with my parents. And as a result of that, once again, I, I started to feel I wasn't good enough, and I went through life feeling that way. But here is, and I'm just going to tell you a little snippet, here's the thing. Fast forward, I'm in college at the Southern University. A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I become with child. And so I was like, here's my opportunity to do everything for this child that I felt that my mother and father didn't do for me. So I used the adversity to become the best mother that I can become, but there's a twist to the story. My son was born with a birth defect, and the doctors and the social workers felt that I could not take care of him and tried to get me to put him in a mental institution or sign my rights over to the state of Louisiana so that they could care for him because they didn't feel I was equipped to do so. But I was so convicted by my adversity of not being with my mother, not being with my father, that there was no way that I was going to sign my son over to the state because I was going to find a way to take care of him. Fast forward today, my son is 30 years old. My son had no mental problems. He is paralyzed, but he drives, he lives alone, he works for a Fortune 500 company, he graduated college. He's fine. So what am I saying? I gave that little testimony just to let you know that though if I look back over my life and I think of the adversity I, uh, I got from my grandmother, you know, or the adversity I experienced by feeling that I wasn't good enough because I wasn't with my parents. I mean, that could be bad, right? But it was the conviction that I got from that experience that caused me to keep my child later on. And if I had to go through that adversity in order to make the decision I made with my son, then it was all worth it. So what am I saying? I'm saying that life often teaches us to be resilient. If we're open to it, if we're open to learn the lessons, that was one of my testimonies. But sometimes we've made the mistake. We decided to go a route that we know we shouldn't have gone. And now we're in, we've made some trouble and now we think we're somehow disqualified from the purpose that's on our life. Well, I'm here to encourage and empower someone to tell you, don't use your adversity to paralyze you from purpose or to shackle you, but use it to push you. Somebody needs to know you made that mistake. Somebody needs to know you've changed your life since that mistake. Somebody needs to know that because you know why it's going to help them 
to make better decisions in their life. So that's just a little sneak peek into me. You talked about the why earlier. When you said why, I almost passed out. Our why. What is your why in this world? Why do you feel that Talk you were created? It. Why do you get up every day? You know, what is your why? We have to learn to allow our why to be greater than anything else that happens, and we will then decide and start using those experiences to make us better and not bitter. Listen, you gave us what we asked for, okay? And in doing so, mm, 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 mm. please excuse me because I... I'm, I'm catching my feelings, but in doing so, I saw I saw some. Now and God see an, an, an image, an illustration, a, a portrait of a little girl, and this young lady was innocent. This young lady was innocent, and her proclivities tried to stop her. Her proclivities wanted to be the the boundary, the barrier the wall that was in front of her that she couldn't get over or get through, but she knocked it down <laughs> with her temperament, with her consistency. She knocked it down with her purpose. Her purpose knocked it down. Her purpose kicked in the door. <laughs> her purpose kicked in the door. And when, when her purpose kicked in the door, it led her to leadership. Oh yeah, it led her to leadership. And that leadership led her to impact. And this is what she's doing now. Her impact is her why. <laughs> why? I'll tell you why. And I'm not even you, but I'll tell you why. Because of the little girl. <laughs> but every little girl, that's your why. Every little girl, every little boy is your why. And because when you were young, you probably didn't know your purpose. Your purpose was not even for you. It was for all of the generations that was coming after you once you kicked in that door. <laughs> you opened the door because you trailblazed for so many others to walk through. Look, they don't have to put up the fight. You put up. They don't have to fight the fight. You had to fight because you knocked that wall down. Oh, wow. There's a song we used to sing in the cadence when we were in the Army, and it gave us so much energy, inner energy. It was called, I'm a steamroller. <laughs> And the song said, I'm a steam roller, baby, and I'm marching down the line, so you better get out of my way before I march right over you. And that's what you did <laughs> to your proclivity. You marched right over it. Listen, this is getting good. Uh, let me ask you another question. Let me ask you another question. Sure. How do you manage? How do you manage everything that you do? Um, I mean, family, mother, wife minister, entrepreneur, author, after the list goes on and on. We really don't have enough time to go through all the things that you do tonight. But I do want to ask you, how do you manage all of that? How do you manage? Well, a calendar first. <laughs> but more than that, right, I have right. a family that I have a family that supports me. I have a family that believes 
in what I'm doing because it's not just something that I learned, it's something that I've lived. And they've always seen me as a servant leader. They've always seen me as an encourager. They've always seen me as someone who empowers. And so having their support in any way that I can, and I just I just have to be organized. I'm going to be honest with you, I just retired from corporate America on June 15th. And I uh, I decided to, to take my speaking, my coaching, you know, I have a clothing line and things in, a, in another business, but I decided to take my personal business uh, full time because I do believe that my voice is necessary in this world. I do believe that God has given me a story to tell and I go around the world letting other people know he gave them one as well. And so how do I do it? By the grace of God. <laughs> but I do have to, from a practical standpoint, I do have to block off time. I do have to have time for myself, have self-care, have time to meditate, have time to prepare. So I have to be very tedious about it because I uh, am very, uh, how, how should I say it? I'm deliberate and intentional about the way that I walk and the way that I move in this world because I want my life to be a living epistle, as the Bible says, read of men. I want my life to be something someone can look at and read and gather and glean wisdom from. So I take that seriously. My family, my husband takes that very seriously. My three adult children take that seriously and so I'm able to do what I do because I'm supported and I have a support system around me thank you for sharing that with us listen as, as you are speaking there are so many people that's going to be listening to this podcast uh, that's not listening now and you are giving them tools you're giving them vitamins you're giving them those those things those nutrients that they need uh, not only to survive but to uh, be competitive and be conquerors you know the topic tonight is can we breathe and I, I know you probably like you know id3 i said why why did you name it that well i'm gonna tell you why i named it that because as minorities in the united states and as african americans as black and brown people okay you know a lot of a lot of times we ask the question well, why do we have to do so much just to survive. <laughs> I mean, and I'm talking about my mom, I'm talking about my grandmother. I saw them do so much, work so many jobs. And I'm not negating any other race, but I'm talking about minorities right now. I've seen them work so hard that sometimes they came home and went straight to bed. They didn't even take a bath didn't take a shower. Some didn't even have showers that worked. Some didn't even have toilets that worked. And it was like, I saw my grandfather work so many jobs and I never really saw him relax and just take a breath and enjoy life. I never saw my grandfather go fishing. I never saw it. He had 17 children, 17 children. And he worked until the day he, he, he had dementia, but he worked until the day he got ill. My, my grandfather got 
got sick while he was working in the garage. He didn't have a break. And so I was like, you know, I'm gonna bring Miss Reed on, Sherelle Reed on to talk about why why we can't breathe. And then and then the apex of this is what happened in twenty twenty with George Floyd. Right. I believe that was God showing us that we have had a yoke over our necks for so long that he was tired of it. And I'm not saying the yoke over our necks was because of a race, but I'm saying that that yoke could have been a spiritual yoke. Uh, who knows? Who knows what it was? But it was a yoke. In some cases, it still is a yoke over our neck. And so, you know, my question for you is, this messy link between the past and modern day management of people of color is so tedious. It's so tedious. It's so detailed. It's, it's easy to miss. If you're not focused, you're going to miss it. That's how tedious it is. And through your experience, through your work, through your journey, and your, I would say, connections with different people ranging from pastors and preachers and educators and nurse practitioners, practitioners, um, attorneys, judges, social um, advocates, business entrepreneurs, professionals, you name it, the list goes on and on. These different uh, entities you've worked with, different cadre you've worked with, right? Mm -hmm. How do you position yourself? What I mean by positioning yourself, because positioning yourself is not only uh, seizing opportunity, right? Based off of your capacity. Not only that, but it's also role modeling. Because as a leader, you know that there are other leaders in development stages watching everything that you do. Every move you make, every breath you breathe, every step you take, they're watching. And as you are lecturing and you are before the people, you're engaging these people with your ideas, with your nuances, you name it. What is going on in your mind? Is it all, are you on autopilot? Or are you aware of everything that you're doing and how you're affecting your listening audience? Will you share with us? Can we go? <laughs> can we go on a journey with you? We will listen, but we want to know what's going on when you're doing all this. <clears throat> well, first, I want to kind of address how you started this segment because you talked about how our grandparents, uh, you know, worked and worked and worked and worked, and they never took time to breathe per se, right? Um, our grandparents or our forefathers, they had a work ethic 
that barely and rarely exists today. Let me say that. Um, but they didn't have all the tools that we have today. So definitely hats off to them because they were all about providing. They were all, all about making sure that those who came behind them had things, had legacies and things of that nature. A lot of that has dropped off. But moving forward, you asked me, how do I uh do what I do in the face of all the people and am I on autopilot and things of that nature. First, let me say that being intentional is a choice, right? Because it's so easy. And if we were going to be honest, and I'm going to be honest because I'm, I'm, I'm an open book, but if we're honest, it is easy, very easy to slip into autopilot when there's something that you do over and over and over again. But you have to, and we have to, and I am, I said it a little bit earlier, I'm very intentional about what I do. I don't want to slip into being an autopilot. I don't want to say, oh, I gave this message a month ago so I could say it with my eyes closed. The same uh, tenacity and the same uh, everything that I do to prepare to go before people, I do it every time, whether it's my 20th time doing it or whether it's my first time doing it. I told you I was a corporate instructor for 17 years, and I basically taught the same thing. And But every time I taught it, I taught it as if it were my first my first time. So do I slip into auto being an autopilot? No, because I'm intentional about being present. We have to be present in these moments of opportunity to impact others. And we can't take it lightly because if you have a message that somebody that's going to hear it, that needs it. You have to, I believe that God orders my steps. So if he gives me an opportunity, then there's something that he gives me to say that somebody needs to hear. So I don't take any opportunity lightly. And so I am intentional about it every time on purpose. When I'm tired, I'm intentional because if I can't do it intentionally, then I don't need to do it. So as I come in rooms with all sorts of people of all sorts of calibers. All I am is authentic. That's all I can do. I, I, I am Sherelle today. I'm Sherelle if I'm in the White House, though I've never gone, but I'll get there one day. I'm Sherelle if I'm uh, speaking on a college campus. I'm Sherelle if I'm sitting at my kitchen table talking to my godchild. And so I'm very authentic in the way that I do things, but I have learned over time that I must be intentional about the way I move because I am who I am because there were some examples before me. There were some people that spoke in my life. I spoke about my mother not being around, but I had friends who had mothers that sat me down at their kitchen table and they gave me some wisdom that my mom at the time wasn't around to give. So just as they were intentional in pouring into me and giving me those aha moments and taking the scales off my eyes about certain things, then I am just as intentional about the things that God has called me to do when it comes to educating, when it comes to empowering, when it comes to encouraging. 
I'm intentional about it. And so if I'm intentional, then I'm going to take the necessary steps that will make sure that I am presenting myself in a way that whomever comes across what I have to say can leave with some practical steps on how they can use what I said to become better in this world. That was terrific. That was amazing. Listen, you know, we out of time. <laughs> this went quick, didn't it? I know. Yes, uh, what are the takeaways? <laughs> You're so funny. What are the takeaways for tonight? What do you want the listeners to take with them? I want, to, I want them to take with them that you have the power to create your world for the better. Don't allow any adversity. Don't allow any bad decisions. Don't allow what external people have to say about you uh, to prevent you from becoming all that you have been born to become. Get in that mirror. Let yourself know every day how beautiful you are. Let yourself know every day how purposed you are, how smart you are. At every day, tell yourself that you're going to kick down any door of opportunity that presents itself to you. And get out in this world and let's get it. Listen, Sheryl, will you come back? Reed, will you come back on a podcast? Absolutely. When you heard it first, listen, this was another impactful night at Impact Education Leadership. Tonight's guest was Sherelle Alexander Reed. Topic Can We Breathe? Good night. <laughs>